Hey, Bob, do you know what I'm missing? What are you missing there, Tanner Poppet? I'm missing heavy metal 24 hours a day. Do you know where I can find something like that? Dude, go to heavy metal television, man. That's the best. Heavy metal television? What is that? Yes, heavy metal television. It's a 24-7 heavy metal website. All metal, all the time. Okay, let me go on there. Oh, look at that. Look at you. It heavy pops up that quick. You go up there and boom. There you have it. Wow, mind blown. What That's is right. the site called? It's heavymetaltelevision.com. Well, there, or there heavymetaltv.net. Heavymetaltv.net. Ooh. Yeah, look at two different platforms. And instantaneously, you get this metal right up yeah. on your big screen. If you got that Roku, which I'm sure you got the Roku or the Amazon Fire Stick. Dude, you just put it on your big screen TV and just rock out all night long. Absolutely. Well, Bob, thanks for educating me on heavymetaltelevision.com. Check it out, people. Hey, everybody. It's Chris Aiken from the Classic Metal Show and the Aftershocks podcast. And I know you want to see this next episode, but right before we do it, just want to remind you that if you have an Amazon device, whether it's a TV or a Fire Stick or Fire Cube or whatever it would be, a Fire Box if you're old school, uh, make sure you add the CMSPN to it. Just look up CMS Podcast Network on your Amazon device, add the channel, and you will get every episode of all four shows for free right there on your TV. Make us part of your TV viewing every single day and night, all right? Uh, it's the CMS Podcast Network, cmspn.com, and it is now on Amazon. So get it, all right? All right, here's the episode you came to see. You are about to enter the Shockwave Skull Sessions podcast on shockwaveskullsessions.com. And now your host, Bob Nalbandian. Let's do it, man. Shockwave Skull Sessions. We got a great episode here. We got returning guests. Always a pleasure to have you back. Mr. David Ellison, what is going on? How are you, Bob? How are you doing? Matt, how are you? What's up, Doc? What's up, Dave? <laughs> and we got Drew, Drew Fortier. Fortier, Fortier, Fortier. Whatever strikes you. What French, Fortier, Fortier. Fortier. What one of the first press releases, that, or one of the first things that came out, what, for the book, they called you Drew Frontier. Oh, that's for uh, right? No yeah. Cover. Drew Frontier. Frontier. That's, <laughs> there you go. And, uh, no, no Cover. I played on that track, which it was down that's right. that's right. featuring that's Chips Enough and Drew Frontier. Chips Enough and Drew Frontier. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Uh, chips Enough is on Frontier Records, so it kind of goes hand in hand, right? There you go. Sense. Maybe that's, yeah, it's all plausible, plausible excuse. Say you could say you own the label. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Drew there Frontier sounds like a Star Trek character or something. <laughs> yeah, Drew Frontier. <laughs> All right, Drew Fortier, David Ellison's <laughs> partner in, in, in many projects, which we're going to get into. And, of course, my lovely, beautiful partner, Matt oh, Hartnett. Lovely, beautiful. Love the words, you know, Bob. Thank you so I'm, much. I'm, I'm trying to be, uh, you know, cordial these days. <laughs> That's cordial. But yeah. What's going on, Matt? What's going on, Bob? This is going to be great, man. A little different now. No, not music today. We're focusing on the movies. So. That's I'm correct. up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I wanted to get them on before some of the other podcasts talked about the music, especially that podcast Aftershocks. You know, I mean, shit, man. We, we got to get them on before that stupid ass podcast. I thought this was Aftershocks. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh, no, I'm sorry. Oh, Matt's, Matt's a part of Aftershocks. I'm sorry, Matt. I didn't, I didn't think that. <laughs> but the Skull Sessions is the original because David and I, we go way back, right, David? Man, I so you know we gotta always tell the origin story here. So I remember when so I, I moved to LA in 1983. I meet Dave Mustaine, fresh out of Metallica. Um, of course, people like yourself and and a whole slew of uh, fanzines from the underworld, who were really the supporters of of the scene um, until you got up into Hit Parader and Circus and you know the big mainstream ones. Um, and so we went, I remember we went to the beach. <laughs> I met you. Right. Was it Redondo Beach or Hermosa? No, it was Huntington. You guys Huntington, came down to Huntington, Huntington in yep. Winnebago, which yeah. I thought was interesting. And we went, we hung out at the beach, me and Dave and Bob. And it was freezing. It was January, yeah. 1984. I remember because oh I saw the tape and we did that, that great interview. I think you were like, you know, we were all kids. We were, you were like yeah. 18 where I was like uh, 18 and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and, uh, that was, I remember David called me up a few days before and told me that he's out of Metallica and yeah. 
he wants to tell the story and boy he did tell that story in the, uh, oh in the interview he, did, he, he told some stories oh my god i remember going on what was the radio station up in san francisco with, KUSF uh, with Ron Quintana. Yeah, with Ron with, Quintana, uh, Ian Cowell. Oh my God, with Ron. Oh yeah, we went in there and everybody had a few beers and oh my God, Dave was just yeah. going off and it was, I mean, he he had no filter. It was sure entertaining. I mean, my God, you would just like it, I mean, D- Dave in a lot of ways, he was like the Howard Stern of of rock of like rock and roll guys. Like Dave said things on the air that were just forbidden. And, Back in and, 19, the early 80s. Yeah, yeah. the early 80s. Before I mean, Howard Stern. In the same way Stern would say stuff that was never that was forbidden on radio, Dave would do the same thing on radio and TV. And you're going, holy cow, dude, can you say that on the air? And he would say things, <laughs> and the phones would light up, and people were just like, I mean, people loved it. I mean, it's like Dave was the interview that they knew if they just got him talking, you know, if they kind of baited the interview a little bit, they got him talking, and oh, my God, it's it's like, you know, he was... He, he had a lot to say and, and in a way most would never say. So it's, uh, you know, it's kind of was our funny man, straight man routine, I guess, between Dave and David, you know, I guess well, that's that was kind a, of the dynamic, you know. The best thing about uh, Dave Mustaine and what people appreciate about him and that was, he yeah. just spoke the truth. He spoke yeah. however he want, honest, yeah. he didn't care. Yeah, and yeah. notice my uh, Megadeth wristband. Ooh, oh, yeah. Yeah. And I even, hey, I even, I even pulled out of the stack of shirts today. This one nice. cycled up to the top. Oh, cool. yeah. oh, this was like bad. some fan t-shirt <laughs> some fan made this i remember we were all wearing them <laughs> like every day you know one of us had one of these on when we're flying you know on a fly date or something you know so it's yeah you know you know how it is in the black t-shirt pile things just cycle up to the yep. top and you're like ah, yeah wear my armored saint shirt oh yeah. you wear my kiss destroyer shirt today well, yeah you, yesterday this was your lucky my, day this one yesterday came what came up in my pile was the elephant coffee shirt which i nice. probably wore nice. very nice yes. yeah very and by nice. the way, Which, of course, reason... we have here, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course. I'm not wearing this just to impress David. I've got this uh, a carpal tunnel kind of thing uh, from on my laptop, oh. my wrist, and I got to tell you, this is the best <laughs> cure for it. It absolutely helps. So Dave cool. Mustaine, there you go, yeah. Dr. So, it serves, so the Megadeth wristband actually serves a medical purpose, which is... Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes, there you go. <laughs> All right, well, dude, let's get started. Uh, Matt, why don't you kick it off? You, you had a chance to watch Dwellers, right? Yeah, man, you know, I mean, it's it's great, especially, you know, I mean, the first thing I was thinking of, you know, thinking of when I was watching it um, in the beginning, I mean, one thing that stood out to me right away was the 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 comedic bits the humor in the beginning there which i thought was was awesome because you know you're you get ready to watch a horror movie and here it is and i'm kind of you know laughing out loud to myself for some of these bits that you guys did you know just the the independent film thing is what's awesome you guys reminded me i mean drew doug and and um was the other guy um was it drew doug who, who's the third guy in there Jeff. uh uh no, who am i talking about here sorry one second <laughs> Who is it, Drew? You're leaving him hanging. Yeah, you leave me hanging, Drew. You leave me hanging. Drew. One second. Was it Jeff? Oh, Drew. Drew's. He's. He's got. The main characters: Drew, Doug, and Jeff. Right? Or Jeff? Uh, is it no? Uh, Drew looks. Or Edward, Edwards. Edwards. Sure, what's like Edward. Edward. Yeah. The main. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I think. I think. Drew. I think. Yeah, Drew is one of those Streamyard freeze moments where everything oh, freezes and someone has to him. drop out to come back in. <laughs> or, yeah. or maybe he was but, just embarrassed that he didn't know the cast. <laughs> he's, like, he's, he's, on, he's on Wikipedia looking out, it up. He's on IMD. <laughs> Who is that yeah. guy? <laughs> he, he doesn't want to show us that he's online. Oh yeah, of course it was. It's like forgetting the guy in your band. And your drummer, <laughs> wait, hang on, let me look that up. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, you I would James. The James and the bass player. Oops, sorry about that. Yeah, James. Yeah, yeah. yeah. James but, um, Edwards. Yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah, James we got to have Drew back in for this bit. So okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. Come well, back I guess we can now for a word from our sponsor. So he, he should uh, pop right back, right? Or do I have to go to yeah. him? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he'll pop. You know that back. happens on Streamyard. I've found from time to time, like so one of us will freeze, and then you gotta like. Yeah, jump out and cycle back in, but uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, Dave, why don't we, I guess, talk with you before Drew sure. gets in here? Um, you know, obviously, this is sort of your first foray into the uh, the film business here. Um, so what is, um, I mean, obviously, is this something I know you've got a whole you know slew of things going on with books, coffee, the MP label. So, is this something you've been thinking about doing for a while? Uh, doing no. getting into the to no. films or producing? No, okay. I, I haven't thought about doing any of this stuff. I wasn't thinking about writing a book, I was thinking about being in the movie thing. I wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, all this stuff just lands in your lap one day, you know, like the phone call comes or the email comes, and it's like, hey, uh, 
got this film and uh hey why don't I tell you, why don't we make you the producer and it's like all right well what does a producer do uh you know we'll figure it out yeah. uh and you know it, it was interesting because um you know and I'm, I'm happy to loan my name to things that i like that are you know like you said this one's funny it's it's a cool movie it's got a drew's great with the self-deprecating humor yes you know, he's got a, a great levity you know like you say mm. you're getting ready to watch what you think is this daunting scary movie and and you're half laughing because there's so many yep. bits in it. <laughs> totally. uh, right out of the gate, it starts with that. And then Drew's mm-hmm. frustration is he's trying to, you know, trying to, you know, get get down to filming the <laughs> the, the movie and conning all of his friends into getting it done, you know, early on. <laughs> yep. But um, so he's great with that. But, you know, it's funny that, you know, the producing role for me, again, they kind of wrote me into the script as as part of that. And then that's that's, a, that's kind of a narrative of the a sub narrative, if you will, of, of the movie. But, um, you know, I realized, you know, I have the record label, EMP label group and Comet records and, th- and by way of my distributor, um, you know, I have a, a method, a platform for physical and digital distribution. So Blu-ray DVD plus, you know, things over to Amazon and Hulu and this. And so I was like, wow, who knew? Like, you know, I've already, you know, I've already, you know, like Spinal Tap, somebody already within the organization, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. if I've already got, I've already right. got, you know, the platform for this. And, you know, I noticed when we were at uh, Mad Monster HorrorCon back in uh, February 20th, when we actually rolled the film out and we, we showed, uh, we showed the movie at that convention, mm-hmm. um, that, you know, some other people started coming up to me. Going, Whoa, hey, you got a film company. Well, I've uh, got a documentary film here, and I've got I have something I might call you on to put out through your film company. And I realized film creators are no different than musicians. You know, musicians write songs, they make albums, and then they walk music business going, all right, who's going to sign me? You know, I, I've got mm-hmm. an album, and it's very frustrating uh, for me too. I mean, I've been in a lot of bands. A couple of them successful, a bunch, and eh, maybe not so much, you know. So I've been doing this my whole life, and and even at you know even in my age and my my you know career, when you make a new record uh, with some new you know, maybe some friends, we get together, we make a record, and we love the songs. You're still starting all over from scratch because you have to build, mm-hmm. you know, sort of the, you have to market it, tell the story, who is it, what is it, why does this exist. Um, and that's one of the, that's why I formed the record company was to basically to have a platform for my little pet projects and, um, and, and to have a place that I can just put these things out. And, and so in doing that, I was able to help a lot of my other friends put records out. Now the same thing's happening with the film business by me and Drew putting dwellers out through my, um, my distribution network where, you know, we're getting calls from other people going, Hey, uh, can you help me out? <laughs> so, you know, I figured, look, it's a blessing. Why not? If I've got the, you know, the avenues to do this stuff, I think it's a, it's a cool thing to do for our friends in the business. Yeah, cool. No, absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm uh, hitting up Drew right now just to make sure uh, <sighs> he fell out. Yeah. Yeah. Could he tried to pop tor- in a few could times. Have had a tornado or lightning storm or something over there in Indianapolis where he lived, you know, we were doing oh, an interview oh. the other day, me and Drew, and literally this guy host would just go dark. And, we'd be, and me and Drew would be the only two. Singers. And it, it turns out that the guy, he literally was had like like an electrical storm, and it fried his laptop. It fried his computer. That's crazy. Uh, he but said, dude, hey, I'm going to start my computer. Uh, okay. Oh, okay. Okay, all good, Drew. We're just talking about you now. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> if you're so, not in the room, be careful. <laughs> We're going to be talking about you. Same with me. If I fall out, I know you fuckers will be talking about me. <laughs> all right. Time to badmouth Drew. Well, here we go. Uh, no, seriously, I, I do love the way you filmed it and the filming of it. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's all in black and white. And it's, uh, and as you said, you play yourself in the movie as, as, uh, as yeah. the. Uh, uh, label slash movie owner, and, and it's great. Uh, you and Tom are in the movie as is kind of a, I guess it'd be kind of a, a big cameo, and you play yourself. Yeah, and, uh, and kind of the more up, pissed off version of me, which I guess people probably yeah. As you, well, dude, I was gonna say exactly. I've never, yeah. I've yeah. never seen you upset like that before. And I've seen a lot of, <laughs> a lot of Megadeth shows I was at where things gone wrong and everything, and you <laughs> always kept it cool. So seeing you pissed off like that, I go, damn, Dave's yeah. a good actor. David I'm really is a acting. real good actor yes. because yeah. Yeah. I've never seen him actually get See, this is the time where I'm the top man and shit's not going right. And I'm like, hey, I'm going <laughs> to whoop ass on you guys. Get it together, you know? So I get to, I get to play that role. But yeah, you totally. know, it's fun. Drew and I, it's funny. He brought the book, you know, brought that, that film to me. And I, I started writing um, this rock star hitman 
book. You yeah, know, and, I, right. and I brought Drew in because of the film. He brought, you know, he brought the film over and where he was working yeah. on editing that through, through, through 2020. And back in uh, December 2019, I was in South America and the idea came to me for that Rockstar Hitman book. So I brought Drew in to write that. And it was the same thing. You know, I, I was like, okay, I've got characters lined out. I've got the storyline heading in the right direction. And I hit Drew. I said, hey, man, <clears throat> I'm, you know, I could use could use you know some good heading bloody stuff and you know all the good stuff in here and boy he brought me a chapter one day and i was just like whoa this is awesome and it really i got so excited about the book be so you know it's nice that even when we're creating stuff together like we you know have done now with the with the with the book series um that there's a you know it's just like in a band there's a bass player and a guitar player they do two different things but they're working together you know and it's it's interesting in the creative realm when you're writing um uh stuff together that you know you each do something very different which you know one plus one is three you know you're greater than the sum of the parts so mm-hmm. drew and i have had a had a good little creative partnership with this stuff and uh so between the books and uh, you know putting the ellison book company together now and even that you know it's kind of like the film and the record company People are, you know, I've had a couple of people, rocker buddies of mine, hit me up and say, hey, I've got a memoir and I've been thinking about writing my, my life story. And I said, totally. Let me know if we can help you. We've got a distribution network. We can put your book out for you if you need. Um, because that's the other thing. You know, once you write a book, now you got to go around the business. And usually with an agent, you know, book companies are much more particular about that. Like they don't let authors submit manuscripts. That's true. You have mm-hmm. to have an agent. So so you have mm-hmm. to get an agent then hopefully that you can get it shopped. So it's it's an extra step in the literary world. Um, so, you know, there again with with uh, with putting books out and to do some kind of self-published stuff. Um, it, it's you know, we've we've got that that platform as well. Pretty yeah. happy with our little cottage industry up here. Sure. Yeah. Well, you guys have won what? I mean, 10 awards, I think it said best horror feature, yeah. Mad Monster, yeah. uh, you know, you and both of you guys even got best uh, director and producer awards, uh, awards, yeah. right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. From Which the Vegas awesome. movie. Yeah. yeah. Vegas movie awards. Yeah. They were very, uh, they were very kind to do that. Um, and it's actually, <laughs> I think a couple more just came in too. Um, you know, and that was, you know, Drew, Drew knows the landscape of the, of the f- film business. Um, a little better than I do, and especially this the the horror the horror um, genre, and in particular the found footage genre. Um, I got a real education on found footage. You know, I mean, I've I've uh, you know, obviously we've done soundtracks for you know bigger budget movies and things. You know, the last action hero and Bill and Ted, and and he did narration too. What's that? Oh yes, the narration too for the and narration exactly. And I've narrated exactly. I've narrated. Um, but I've never had job too. I've never had. Thank you. I've never had any experience in the found footage uh, genre, and it's so simple. I mean, there's no, you know, there's no Panavision camera. There's no craft services. There's no like hair and makeup and wardrobe. You know, and all these other things. Yeah. It's just pick up a camera, start shooting. There's the film. You know, and it's and it's a mm-hmm. really. Uh, I mean, there's more to it than that. I mean, there's a storyline, and Drew's really good at, at at you know sort of putting together Act One, Act Two, Act Three, and kind of you know having a, having a timeline for it. And there there is some work to be done to you know create it properly, but um, it, there's a simplicity about it. I I always likened it to like you know it's like making killing is my business. You know, it's like the simple Lodo. We don't have much time. We don't have much money. We got to get this just plug and play. You know, that's kind of what a found footage movie is like, you know, is, is you're in there kind of cutting your first Lodo indie record. <laughs> and that's, yeah. and, and, you know, ultimately it's always about the story. Um, mm. And it's all, and it's just kind of about the cleverness of the, of the acting and, and, and all those bits. Well, that's what I thought made the movie so cool and so authentic is it was a, a low-budget movie and you make it, it, it's very much like the Blair Witch Project. And it was a low-budget movie, but it just went huge. And it's kind of got that same feel of just the panorama. I mean, just great, great filming and the way yeah. that you did it. And I think it's just really cool that you, uh, you know, uh, and, and that Drew makes himself to, to be the idiot in the movie. He writes himself <laughs> in to be the, the you know, the, the screw up in the movie. And uh, yeah, which which is great. And, and, and you talk about like, you know, you know, like you're talking about how things in the movie, he forgets to get the licenses to, to filming licenses to do it. <laughs> I know. And all this other stuff. 
just a total royal fuck up. Yeah, know, he's just the dunce. Fun. Yeah, they'll yeah. do the whole thing. They're just like, oh, of course it's you like, did, bro. Oh. Like, yeah. But it's so realistic. On, 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 it's almost like the Spinal Tap of the horror movie genre. It's like people are watching this and they're probably going, is. Is, "Is this, you know, the real? Is this a real movie or is it, you know, an actual well, I've movie?" I've not seen Chud, and, and Drew said he goes, "Dude, you got to go watch Chud, and then you'll really yeah. get a feel for what." I've heard a lot about mm-hmm. that movie. I haven't yeah, seen it either. I went and I watched, and you'll notice it. You'll notice some of the actors in it. The one guy from Home Alone, the dad in Home Alone, he's in oh, that. Okay. And, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, so you get kind of a good feel of it, and um, you know that that actually doesn't seem like much of a of a big dollar b- big budget film either, <laughs> quite honestly. Yeah. But um, it's you know, and it, you know, it's fun now because we're actually talking about doing a couple of other things, um, you know, around this, um, you know, in, you know, kind of continuing on from this, and it, it's you know, it's fun when you like with anything, you know, and you run up the flagpole, you know, and and just kind of unassumingly and and out of nowhere people are saluting it and again we're winning these film festival awards and and all this cool stuff is happening and it just gets you excited to go wow maybe we should do another one you know and different storyline and and so it it gets you you know gets you excited to go back in and you know we'll start working on another one what about what's that oh i was just gonna ask that movie uh my name is chris or her name is krista was that through your company or was that that was not no that was not that was something that drew did that was a few years ago i think that he did that right a couple years ago yeah that was a couple years ago yeah yeah he's got a sick mind that boy he does dude he's yeah yeah yeah. i always say don't let his boyish good looks fool you he's a demented little cretin <laughs> well yeah, until he gets on rather than talking more more crap about him do you want to were you gonna say something there um before we jump well, into, well i was gonna say would you guys ever think about maybe turning you know rockstar hitman into to a film you know that was the first thing people asked us um is hey when is the netflix series because it really does mm-hmm. speak to uh you know to uh kind of a television production and and it's why we called it the Sledge Chronicles, because our main character, Sledge, who's the star of the book, you know, we realized when we were writing this that, uh, you know, the, this, while this story could come to an end, the character can live on. And, you know, I, so I thought, listen, as the musician tours around the world, there's all kinds of espionage and bad guys going on that, you know, we're in Europe and South America. Like, we could get into some good stuff here, you know. Um, so yeah, we've already got the second book is about probably about 75% done. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, Drew's got to do a little work on it now. It's over to him, but yeah, I, I went on a serious writing session and just kind of banged a lot of that out, um, back in last fall, I was just crushing it and getting it all mm. lined out. So, um, <clears throat> he's going to get into that and, and get that going and, um, you know, and it's, and it's, and it's funny because, you know, on the cover is actually, that's actually Van Dombrowski from Sponge. Uh, oh, wow, really? Yeah, oh, wow. yeah. He really, and 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 it's funny. There's a story to that because me and Drew, um, actually Drew and Mike Heller, who plays drums in Raven and Fear Factory, mm-hmm. they were oh, writing right. some tunes together. And and last summer, Drew says, "Hey, me and Mike are working on a couple tunes. Want to play bass on one?" I said, "Yeah, sure. Why not? We're all sitting around the house. <laughs> Nobody's doing anything, you know." So he sent it over to me. I played on. it. I was like, "That was that was a cool little song." And he goes, "Well, here, you want to play in another one?" And he sends me over like ten more. And then, and so finally we just decided, look, let's just go to LA. We'll go to Mike Keller's studio in LA and why don't we record it? And, uh, Drew reached out to Vinny, um, and Vin lives up in Michigan. And, and so Vin was in and he started writing lyrics for it and, and, uh, doing some demos. And so we got, we have, we have this, this collection of nine songs and we, we, th- we always thought we'd go, man, it's like this sort of companion uh, record to the movie because some of uh, Vin went into the book and, and took some some uh, some lyric inspiration from the book um, okay. and even a couple of things that tie into Dwellers. So um, we're actually going to make an announcement about that here. I don't know sometime in the coming weeks about where that uh, that record is going to kind of fit in. So we'll have a movie, an album, and a book. You know wow. that all come out as Very a companion cool. together. Yeah, and which is yeah. pretty cool. You know, it was it just kind of landed in our lap like that because um, we were kind of wondering what to do with this record. It's like, look, we're not, you know, we don't want to go build this as, you know, the next big super group or any crap. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. and none of us, we're going to go on tour, obviously. So so it's mm-hmm. kind of like, what do we do with it? So you know, to kind of couch it in with the book and the movie, it really it made the most sense because that really is the backstory of it, and. Um, <clears throat> And we'll put it out through uh, EMP label group so we can, you know, control it and 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 kind of manage the the flow of it and everything. So it's you know again it, it's as it's turning out, um, 
you know, uh, you know, the days of the million dollar record deals are over anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, it's nice to kind of do this stuff independently like this because it just gives you all this flexibility and control and you can kind of traffic cop and, you know, kind of control the flow of, of when and where these things come out. And, and, uh, you know, labels always get pissed off. They're like, wait a minute, you can't play on that album. We're putting this album out and we got too much stuff out there. And, wait a minute, mm-hmm. what's this book? That book's taking attention away from our album that we're putting out, you know? So in yeah. this case, it's like, it's almost like the more the merrier. It all tells part of a bigger story. It's more of a big banquet here. Um, and I, it's, so it's, it's kind of a cool, cool thing for 2021. Um, that's last, a, right? Uh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. As I say, that's a great thing about you now. You have control, total control of everything. The book publishing, the movies, yeah. You know your music, your own record label, and uh, you know that's a dream come true for uh, most musicians yeah. to have. And the fact that you and I can't wait to hear that album. I'm Mike Heller, one hell of a drummer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll like it. You'll like it. Yeah, it's a kind of an. I mean, I love Sponge. I remember back, you know, in the '90s when Megadeth was doing a lot of the radio records, like Cryptic Writings and Risk and stuff. And uh, you know that was in the days of Seven Dust and Creed and. Sure. Um, you know, and uh, Sponge was a you know a big big part of Meat Puppets and all these bands that were coming out yep. back in that day. And you know, Sponge was always right there. Um, you know, and uh, great great songs. And Vin's a cool guy and great great singer. So yeah, it was fun to collaborate. You know, a little little out of school. You know what I mean? Not not just a, a metal collective. You know, and and Drew's mm-hmm. a fantastic songwriter and guitar player. I, sure. I I knew he played in Bang Tango for a couple minutes, and he'd done yeah. some stuff with Stephen Chirot from Kick Tracy. Um, mm-hmm. But on this record, I'm like, wow, he's what a what a tasty guitar player and just clever songwriting. I was I was very impressed with it. So yeah. Um, now, have, have you and Drew ever played ever played before together? Is this? I mean, how do you know Drew? How did you, you guys know, ever we, connect? We we haven't, and it's funny because I mean we we, we have now on the record, but of course you make mm. records now in the pandemic. Like we're doing this interview, (laughs) Indianapolis, Arizona, LA, Detroit. That's how we, you know, we made that record. And I've made, I don't know, four records like that this, this last year, you know, uh, in different, in different areas. And, um, uh, and I guess when you're experienced and we've made records like this and, you know, we're experienced players and we've got the gear at our houses, we, we can pull it off. You know, when you're younger, there's no way you could pull off making records like this, but, Mm-hmm. Um, so Drew and I, you know, have not actually like been in a room plugged in and, and fired it up and, you know, hung out for an afternoon writing songs together or anything. But what's interesting is he's actually playing guitar for me on the Bass Chronicles tour coming up here okay. in September. Oh, very cool. Um, it, it hit me. I needed another guitar player. Um, I've had Bumblefoot out with me when we've, we've done some Ellison stuff, but he's, wow. he's out doing his own uh, shows right now. And, and it just hit me one day. I was like, just called Drew. It's like, we just made an album together. So I hit, I said, Hey, would you want to help out and come out and play guitar and kind of be my right hand man on some stuff? And he was, he was thrilled, you know, to, to, cause we're going to go into some deep cuts and play some, some things that have never made it to the stage. And, you know, a bunch of my, my deeper cut stuff from my, my sleeping giants album. We're going to get into a few things. You know, there's that one track, I don't know, Bob, if you heard it, that, you know, If You Were God, that I had uh, John Bush sing on. Yes, I did. That was yeah. awesome. Yeah. Back and in that, 1993. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, you did that way back in the day. And I was thinking yeah. that was, uh, that was what, just when he joined Anthrax or just prior to? Yes, I think he had just, yeah, just, what is it, 93. Yeah, I think he had just yeah, he joined. Was he was singing. Yeah. And it's funny, I, I hit him up. You know, we've all kind of grown up together, of course, all of us. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And, uh, and well, I you were in L.A. Over. at the time, yeah. Yeah, in L.A., yep. And I and I, he came over to my friend Pat's house. That, that's John Bush at 10 in the morning, singing, right, like, yeah. roaring like a lion, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Any so, time of the day, he said. Yeah, any awesome. time of the day, yeah. John Bush on demand. He's fucking awesome. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> he sounds great, so... Um, but yeah, so the Bass Chronicle thing is cool. And, and you know, it's funny, the, we, we, we themed it around, you know, the Sledge Chronicles, Bass Chronicles, because every one of these I had bass story. And that started, <laughs> excuse me, when I, when I pushed out the, my first memoir, My Life with Death, uh, that became Bass Story, which was a, uh, our friend Ryan Downey, uh, our manager, oh, yeah. friend in the business, he, he rang me one day. It was, <laughs> it, was, I, it was right before I recorded the, uh, the, the Dystopia album back in 2014. He hit me up. He said, hey, uh, I got a promoter down in Australia, <coughs> excuse me, who wants to bring you down there uh, to do kind of a, uh, 
like a spoken word thing. I was like, I don't know what the hell that is. Hey, he's back. There he is. There he oh, is. there he is. So I, sorry about that. Email. All right, cool. <laughs> hey, so little inside scoop. Drew's day job is he fixes computers. So <laughs> you're, you're right. Yeah. You know, I attribute this to it. It's funny. Uh, out of the blue, Joel Estate was texting me out of the blue today. So I completely blame him. Yeah. He's, so he's the fault. voodoo that made your computer yeah. crash. Yeah, yeah, he's the voodoo that made a lot of things happen <laughs> in my life. <laughs> Joe from Bank Tango, obviously. Yeah, yeah. We're actually just seeing a lot of good stuff about you. Yeah. We managed to fill a half an hour just talking about Drew. It was incredible. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, finish, I'll finish this up, and then we'll turn it over to Drew, and I'll shut up for a while. But no, so, so, the, so the base story thing started around going to Australia for the My Life with Death uh, book, um, storyteller base clinic, called it base story. And then uh, two years ago, we, when we put out the second book, uh, more life with death, uh, that's what that tour was called. And then now with this new book with the sledge chronicles, that's why we're calling it the base chronicles. So we're sort of theming these, these sort of storyteller, uh, little solo tours. We're theming them around the book that's out at the time. And what, what is that tour starting in September? You already have dates set up for September. September, uh, yeah. What is it, Drew? Like 22nd through 26th or something like that? I think 24th, 25th, 26th, and 27th, I believe. Or the 23rd. Yeah, it's seven around that time. Yeah, it's like a, it's like yeah. a long weekend. Yeah. You could go on davidellison.com. Yeah, I know mm -hmm. the tour dates yes. are up. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. 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 Very they cool. know so, more over there than we do over here. <laughs> so that is, is that kind of a combination of a spoken word kind of your, uh, like a, almost yeah. like a clinic kind of, uh, well, I learned when like, I, went to I, I play the bongos and he tells yeah. poetry. Australia, my tour manager, I was like, he, he was, he had done spoken word with a bunch of, bunch of, um, you know, comedians and various people. And of course to me, <coughs> spoken word is like something like Henry Rollins, you know, and then I realized half of the Henry Rollins thing was he was just out there telling jokes. And, you know, of course, he's got all kinds of, you know, different political things. And, you know, he's very outspoken. And I've seen some of his. It's actually really funny. Mm -hmm. um, so I was, again, that's why I'd say, look, if in doubt, bring the bass along. You know, my bass is my companion. It can get me out of most any mess I can get myself into. I can just play my way out of it, you know. So that's why I, I figured, look, I'll bring the bass. So I kind of did this bass clinic thing, and then I had a backing band behind me. Um, and so as I brought it here to North America, and then we took it over to Europe, I took it down to South America, same thing. Um, you know, just to have a backing band behind me. So here on the Bay Chronicles, we'll do the same thing, you know, with, uh, with Drew and um, a couple of the guys from Dead by Wednesday who are on Combat Records. Sure. Uh, we've got a nice set list and so it's music it's primarily music but there's some you know some storytelling and stuff in between it's not like hey we're here to melt your face and then just play an hour of music and mm -hmm. kick your ass it, there's nice tempo flow doing some storytelling in between uh it's chronological. Q &A. yeah a little bit of q a yeah and this one we're going to try to do a chronological thing as well so that hence the chronicles mm -hmm. uh will try to be, you know, more of more of a chronological flow through of music throughout my career. And playing some stuff you never played live before, too. Yep, exactly. Ooh, yeah. Like uh, cover tunes or Megadeth tunes or what kind well, of? Well, yeah, you know, we did the, uh, <laughs> yeah, a little bit of both. You know, I did the uh, Allison yeah, cover record album. last yeah. year. Yeah. yeah, yeah, which is nice because, you know, when people ask me, who are your musical influences? Like, well, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's like all 18 of Very them right there. Bands. Yeah, yeah. Nazareth, so, BTO, yeah. Sweet, you know. Bachman Turner Overdrive rules. BTO, oh, come yeah. on. Favorite oh, yeah. band, on. Not Fragile, still. I yes. tell people one of my top 10 all-time favorite metal albums. That's you not know metal. that funny, I man? Do. I mean, more and Here. more people, more and more people that say that. In fact, I think James Hetfield made it. He talked about that, I don't know, a dozen years or so ago. People were asking him kind of about his vocal influence. And he brought up BTO, See, which I was, Turner, man. That you know, guy was a monster vocalist. Oh, yeah. And we're all the, kind of the same age, you know, me and yeah, yeah. you. Oh, they were huge. When we grew up, they were all yeah. over the radio. But they, everyone thinks about them as, you know, taking care of business and mm -hmm. letter, you know, all the, you ain't seen nothing yet. But some of their, you know, B-sides, so to speak, like super Sweet, heavy. You know, Sweet had those super heavy B-sides. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, I mean, listen to Not Fragile and some of the other songs off that album. Yeah. Great. So we're going to pull some songs off that record. We'll pull some of those into the show because, uh, you know, there's a few of those like Wasted. I mean, man, I was a teenager. Yeah. yeah. When, when that came into the rehearsal room, my drummer brought it in, you know, as we were all like 15, 16 years old and, you know, Def Leppard guys were, you 15, know, teenagers. 16 too. Yeah. Yeah. We're like, wow, <laughs> these guys can do it. And they're on Mercury Records, you know, in the back of high and or uh, on through the night, they're on stage sure. opening for ACDC. 
you're like, yeah. wow, they, they, they made it like, you know, they made it the dream possible. You know, it's like they God, were a they, big inspiration, especially for a lot of the thrash metal musicians. People yep. don't credit Def Leppard and they always credit them as a hair band. But, you know, Def Leppard and a lot of the new wave of British heavy metal bands, but their youth. I mean, I think Rick Allen was 15 when he recorded that record. And, oh, my God. Yeah. The stutter know. kick that he had on his. Yeah. And, and, and it's his style that he had on those first two records, and especially on On Through the Night, man. He, what an incredible drummer. You're right, he's 15. Yeah. He's, he's yeah. a famous records that sound like, you know, him and Clive Burr, of course. Sure. Maiden, those two guys mm -hmm. were just amazing. You know, new, the new wave of British heavy metal. I mean, those guys just had a, had a style about them. It was incredible. Absolutely. Yeah. And then you had all the thrash guys like Andy from Death Angel that started at, you know, 13, 14, you know, so... Yeah. yeah, they were they were definitely a big inspiration. But Drew, why don't we go back to? Um, was there something you wanted to talk to him about the movie there, Matt? I know. Uh, well, we no, we were just talking earlier before we got kicked out. You know about the comedic parts with uh, him, oh, yeah. Doug, and James. Um, and um, you know what's evident, I think, is that the three of you guys definitely. You guys have to have a friendship, pretty good friendship outside of the movie, because you can kind of tell with the chemistry between the three. You know, the three of you guys are really. It reminds me of Swingers. It reminds me of like Vince Vaughn, oh, right. you know, Vince Vaughn, uh, John Favreau, and the other guy who plays the guy Sue. Uh, but yeah, exactly. But it's you know, it's it's great to see the independent film thing like this come back. Where you know, in the nineties, there was so big, and you know, up until I guess the mid two thousands. Is so. Is this something that you you know you guys are trying to sort of, I guess, tap into? I mean, is there still a, a big market out there for a lot of independent films like there used to be? You know, back in those days, or yeah, there, there's uh, just like with music, everything just kind of branched off into genre upon subgenre subgenre so there's you know mm. all kinds of stuff there's a whole um uh, um like underground market for the found footage stuff and um okay. and 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 with this one it's uh it's it's been really interesting just kind of seeing how people are kind of taken to it because i was just happy to get the thing done when i when i had it done and i was like it doesn't make any more sense to me hopefully it makes sense to everybody else and it's kind of you know I, I didn't really think you know it was gonna end up the way it did as far as all the accolades and everything and and we just kind of uh, threw it into a couple of film festivals. Next thing you know, it got selected. Then, then it, it, it yeah. won some awards and all that. This is crazy. But, uh, but yeah, it, it, uh, as far as it, it, the independent uh, film stuff, you know, this all this stuff just kind of happens organically. It's just kind of you get like a. Mm. At one point, I got like just like a like a bug in my ass to just to make another movie. Even though after the nice. Bang Tango one, I was like, I'd never do it again. You know, mm. and. Um, yeah, and I thought uh, it, it, it'd be really cool to involve David uh, in it as well because he's he's fearless when it comes to collaboration, and uh, and we were able to you know put our heads together and and you know make something really really cool. And it's so far, I mean, we're still really far out from the October release date, and it's getting a lot of really good um, uh, traction so far. And uh, that's just blowing my mind. I was just happy to get the thing done. Everything mm -hmm. else is just kind of an added bonus. And and it's funny with uh, James and Doug, <coughs> Doug was actually chuck mosley's manager up until he passed away mm. oh, and wow. uh, no, you, pl play, you played with chuck right i did After yeah 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 i yeah. yeah. I, 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 oh, yeah. I, I loved chuck very much he was he was a yeah. dear friend and uh and uh yeah yeah i remember yeah, toward the end you know it was just kind of like he had all these just hopes and just wants and all these things that he was ready to get out and do and and then and then unfortunately what happened uh, happened mm. and um but uh but he's he's i, I got a lot of great chuck mosley stories he had in known for that long but we got pretty close pretty quick and it's amazing how certain people in your life could get that close to that quick you know mm -hmm. and uh and 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 really you know being that level personally but uh, yeah doug was uh chuck mosey's manager and james mm -hmm. i knew him from um when i was a kid there's this movie from the 90s called bloodletting that he was in shot on video the story is amazing it's about this uh girl who tracks down the serial killer that blackmails him to teach her how to be a serial killer it, it's wow. it's okay. awesome so I highly recommend that. And ironically, uh, the first time the three of us were in a room was during a Chuck Mosley band practice at Chuck Mosley's apartment because uh, mm. Chuck lived in Ohio, uh, as is Doug and James. And James came to Chuck's house to let me know that I got the part in the movie. Her name is Krista. So, so the, the bond between the three of us kind of formed that day and, uh, and just kind of it just kind of unfolded naturally from there. And then when it came to putting, you know, getting dwellers kind of worked out uh, story wise and everything, it'd be like, you know, it'd be perfect, you know, uh, just to jive with uh, as, as, as people and characters would be James and Doug, because the three of us kind of have a cool rapport or, yeah. you know, the James totally. being kind of like the, you know, it's the no BS is kind of straightforward kind of guy, mm -hmm. but sarcastic as hell. And Doug is just kind of like, you know, Doug's kind of like a, 
goofy like daniel stern kind of guy you know and he's <laughs> and he's just kind of fun to have around and and it's just and the three of us just kind of that you know a lot of the movie was improv too mm-hmm. and uh and it was uh, it, it was a blast to do and I, I got probably about three completely different movies worth of footage with all the stuff we shot and everything and this is just a version that kind of you know made the most sense like as as tight as humanly possible and and uh, believe it or not uh, me doug and james were only in the, were only in the tunnel for one day and uh like oh, wow. okay. most of that's yeah. overdubs and uh wow okay it's those it's crazy but uh there's my very long answer for your very short question yeah no <laughs> talk, talk a little yeah. bit oh as i say uh, just explain a little bit about the found footage uh, no, is, that, is that like a new genre because i know david bench i've heard that term thrown recently uh, quite a bit before i want you to talk, uh, explain to the viewers sure oh, well it, it originated Actually, the first one to kind of put it on the map actually predates uh, Blair, Blair Witch by uh, by, a, by a bit. It's called Cannibal Holocaust, which okay. is a really uh, you know Italian messed up Italian horror movie. Italian, yeah, yeah. And uh, it's about this uh, people coming across this footage that this documentary crew had who went into the jungles of South America to go, you know, study cannibals, and then cannibals kind of you know <laughs> took them over and ate them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, and so there's that that kind of was like a precursor to it by like 20 years and then Blair Witch came out and that just exploded Jeez. and then uh then there's that Cloverfield uh, uh Chronicle and uh and then it started getting a bit too slick like uh like the found footage stuff it's all from the perspective of you know the, the camera but like you know with the way these those movies started to get shot in the big Hollywood kind of way you could tell it, it was like a million dollar camera it was like yeah, when they like, did those sequels like Blair Witch 2 it's like right uh, why ruin something yeah, it, yeah exactly exactly and um and so i thought it was cool to it would be cool to just kind of go back to be as, as gritty as humanly possible and and if you watch the movie too there, there's a dead pixel uh you, you can see in the dark scenes you see this like white dot on the screen and i, I could have fixed it but i was like hey that, that adds to the to the realism it was a, it was a crappy mm-hmm. camera you know right. and um a lot of the sound stuff i, I left alone and uh, apart from the, the tough stuff was like the the, the stuff I had to, to create, like you know, like the, I did all the creature noises, and I, I had to, to put them in there, uh, you know, very just enough so it, it sounded like there was something there, but not too apparent to where it sounded like it was fake. Just like with uh, with like special effects, because if you stare at like a decapitated head for more than like a second and a half, you're gonna know it's fake. So that's why every time you see something happen, it's just it's just in an instant, it's really quick. Because uh, you know it's like the you know psycho with Texas Chainsaw Massacre, where if you think back to Texas Chainsaw Massacre, that first one, uh, you think of all these gory scenes and all that, but there's not like one drop of blood that whole movie really. You know, it's just, just your mind kind of fills in the blanks, you know. And so I just yeah. kind of just really wanted to you know, take that and just kind of make it more about the sound design more than anything, and and uh, just you know when you're in a dark tunnel, you kind of you know maybe see something that's there, hear something that's there that's not really there, and and um man i go off on tangents don't i but uh and um david had enough film, uh, uh, time yeah I'm, I'm, done. <laughs> I'm, I'm just i'm just in the i'm in the in the in the bleachers now listening yeah. i'm learning about this movie that, that drew made i learn stuff every time we do these interviews drew oh, cool. fills me in on his spielbergism <laughs> and um and the uh Oh, and and another thing too, it's like there's a lot of tiny things in the movie that, uh, that probably most of which I'd be the only one to have noticed. But like if you go back and, and watch again and kind of take it apart a little bit, dude, like little things that kind of overshadow other things, like uh, like uh, and 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 the whole cat aspect too. The uh, yeah, you hear the yeah, cat meowing, that and that's, that's yeah, yeah, and that's and that's and if you go back and watch it again, and they they James, me and Doug are walking through the tunnel, and we hear it. It's actually the creature. Because then you yeah. find out later on, it's actually the creature that mimics the that mimics the sound of the cat to lure people in, and uh, and so I'm just glad people got that part of you know for, for the most part. Because you know at the very end, you, you know what happens? What happens? I hear what I hear, and and that's mm-hmm. it mimicking that. I don't want to spoil it too much, but sure. but uh, but it's it's one really cool thing is that you know people are talking about it like as if it's a legitimate movie you know it's like mm-hmm. it got to that point after editing and sound and all that and everything else it's like people are taking it serious as a legitimate movie you know uh, aside from like just a random uh, uh, thing i just ended up throwing together from a bunch of stuff i shot over five nine consecutive days over the summer of 2019 you know and it's uh, just so uh strange but fun at the same time just to 
you know, how just that little bit of work, you just kind of just whittle it down and turn it into something like this. And then people react to it the way, the way they have been. And, um, and so that's been really fun and, and fulfilling too. And I'm glad people, people get the jokes, you know, yeah. and then oh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. And the, and it's funny with the, the, the clerk's joke too. Uh, people oh, it's great. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. And, um, the <clears throat> James, it, he actually gets, uh, mistaken for, Brian Hallow oh, yeah, yeah. from Clerks really? Time. Okay. And it got to a point where them two had like a friendly like back and forth via mail. And uh Brian O'Halloran actually sent uh James an eight by ten of James signed by Brian O'Halloran that says cease and desist. Oh nice. <laughs> <laughs> and uh <clears throat> but yeah, I mean if you guys I've just I could just go on and on and on, but like any sure. questions you guys have, like please. Well, yeah. In terms of locations of filming, I mean, I saw that you you shot there pretty pretty a lot of different cities. You shot this film in, right? It wasn't just one or two locations, right? It's it was all over the place, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the homeless people, uh, Fred Hustar, he plays the uh, the one with the train going in the background. He's mm -hmm. kind of hard to hear. He he's, he's in Chicago. He's actually an old customer. Yeah, oh, that's Bob. That's Bob Caldecott, the masturbator. Oh, that's not me. You got a cookie? <laughs> no. okay. Oh, man, we should get into that one. But um, Fred Hussar, he's the he's the big dude. He's got, like, the pink reddish shirt. He's got the, the hat on. Mm. He's kind of sitting there. He's actually I, – I bartended for about a decade before I got into any of this. And, um, and he was uh, one of my regular customers. He was actually um, – uh, an actor uh, way back when he was oh, okay. the, the actor. He was in Mad Dog and Glory with with the Narrow and all that, and and he kind of oh. got out of it and he retired. And I just went back to Chicago and shot his part. And we found this cool, like um, train tracks with the tra a train actually coming by at the exact moment, and we just shot it. And it sounds kind of crappy, but it kind of works, you know, because if it sounded perfect, then you know, it's like when you create something like art, like you know, you draw a perfect circle, and all the uneven parts is what the art is, you know, because it keeps mm -hmm. it different from everything else. And uh, separates itself, but um, yeah. So that was one thing in Chicago. Um, I think I shot something in Indianapolis. I must have. Uh, David scene that was shot in Springfield, uh, Illinois. We actually reshot it since though. There's a new David scene that's even better, and uh, okay. he, we ended up shooting in uh, North Carolina. Uh, while we were at the Mad Monster Party uh, to show the movie. And Hence the beauty of Blu-ray now. We can have different versions, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. It's funny because that shot we did, that that literally was the last day of our tour. So oh, right, yeah. I've been complaining that it's the last day of our tour. It oh, really yeah. was. And we were heading out to go to the show. We were going to the show, I think, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You guys were nice. getting ready. You're kind of wrapping up everything, yeah. the whole tour and, and all we that. We were acting. And... We weren't even. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and, Drew, leave us alone. Yeah, drive back to Indianapolis. And but the, the the new one we shot though, it's uh, it, it's even better. It's 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 a little bit longer, and it even ties the story together even more. Like, kind of lays out the plot a little bit more. Like, brings the stakes up higher. And David's even more angry in it as well. So it's a lot. Nice. It, it's, wow. it's it's wonderful. <laughs> I mean, every, I, I showed it to. I'll show it to you guys after this. But everybody showed it to. <laughs> absolutely love it but that could nice. just be released on its own as its own like short film you know It'll be our yeah. NFT. yeah exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's actually gonna be the a... angry ellison yeah exactly angry again it's angry ellison <laughs> yeah. sorry angry you've been outgroomed by uh, uh, angry yeah. ellison hey angry drew, ellison drew yeah. i wanted to ask you uh, this as uh, uh, speak about found footage movies one of the first i saw it's a horror movie it's a French Belgium movie called Man Bites, Man Bites Dog. Dog. Oh, you saw it. brilliant movie. And I know you have a sick mind. Of course, you've seen it. But that's a, that's a, <laughs> I remember you guys have seen it before. I've actually got it on, on a videotape. And that, that must have been done, I guess, early 90s or so. I guess that was a film project for like a, for like yeah. a college uh, uh, final or something like but that. But it actually, really set the bar for Blair Witch Project and your movie where just, you know, at the end, I love the way they just show the the video camera going after the guy, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's still filming, and that just cuts off, you know. It's like, well, I mean, we actually think it's real. It's just like a real, I mean, it, the acting, that guy's, whoever he is, he's a brilliant actor. Oh, yeah. He just goes on this murder spree, and he's like smiling and hitting that people over the head with a hammer in their house. I mean, it's like a clockwork orange time. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, and, it's, yeah. And, and that's part of the fun of it, too, because, like, it's all from the point of view of the, of the documentary cameras, you just catching whatever that catches. Even when, like in Dwellers, when the the the, the hobo uh, mugs us, 
right. funny thing funny thing about that the the, mug, the hobo the mugs has his name is D dustin bolches he's the drummer for skeleton witch oh wow oh, whoa. Okay. Damn. and uh and so that I, I i don't think i even realized it till after because he's just a friend of mine from out in indiana and, See, musicians um, and horror movies go hand in hand. Right? Yeah, yeah totally. totally. It's like a whole new cross culture here. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And uh, the Jay drummer Jeff who mugs us—that's like a—that's like a movie itself. <laughs> it's a story of my life. And but and we also shot in um, the, the tunnel was in Cincinnati. It's this old uh, railroad tunnel it was built in like the 1800s. So you and, live in uh, Ohio, right, Drew? No, you're I'm in Ohio. Indiana. Oh, you are in mm -hmm. Indiana. Okay. Mm -hmm. I was born and raised in Chicago, though. Chicago. Right. Yeah. Chicago. The, the Bears. Nice. And right. uh, <laughs> see what. But uh, but yeah, the 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 point of view stuff from the you know documentary uh, uh, camera and everything. It's a uh, and we could have done it like straight faced and like try to market it like Blair Witch, where it's like, oh, what happened to Drew, James, and Doug, you know? Right, right, but right. I, I'm, I'm too goofy for that stuff, man. You yeah. know, <laughs> so I just kind of just have fun with it, and we all play ourselves with like an amplified version of ourselves, and yeah, and just kind of. I, I don't think you'd get away with it now. That well, when that came out, because I remember seeing Blair Witch when it was actually a screener copy I had, Ooh. and and the way they promoted it, you know, they do you remember that they had like interviews of. The family of the members. Yeah, yeah. they had like, like a documentary. Suing, yeah, and, uh, like they're suing the company for putting this out, and you think yeah. it's real. Like, hey, I don't want this about my daughter. She filmed this, and, and so you're thinking it's actual film footage from a real life thing. And so when I first saw it, I'm like, is this? This can't be real. This has got to be a Hollywood thing. But the the, the marking on it was brilliant. I think that's what made it so. But yeah, once that's done, you can't really do it again it's you know right exactly well one big difference between blair witch and this one uh, as well is that the blair blair witch their budget was i believe before the movie got bought and picked up and everything ten thousand yeah. dollars the budget for this wow. one zero dollars <laughs> wow beautiful. zero beautiful Damn. yeah everybody no had to buy their own mcdonald's like no freebies <laughs> yeah yeah i remember doug uh, when we did, did the one day in the tunnel doug went out and yeah. bought everybody white castle so kind of it all worked out nice it was zero dollars because he must like it. Yeah, yeah. He robbed the. I was like, dude, we got to keep the budget down. So he put on a ski mask and he ran to White Castle among the joint. Didn't you rob Ellison of the budget? What's that? Didn't you rob Ellison of the budget? Isn't that why he's so pissed? Yeah, that's why I'm pissed. Yeah, exactly. We actually ended up at zero dollars. Yeah, zero but except the money that I put in at the beginning and that went went missing, just like. Exactly. Just like the characters, to, just like the Drew, homeless people, my money went missing. <laughs> Drew, what is this fourteen dollars bullshit? <laughs> <laughs> I gave you twenty dollars. Where's my film? Damn it! Where's and my change? Yeah, <laughs> and my French fries. You son of a bitch. <laughs> well, well, listen. I know you got to jump, David. Was there anything else you wanted to throw in that? But I wanted to kind of go over your, you know, talk about your other projects. You got your billion projects. And just yeah. touch up a little bit about what's going on with Megadeth at the moment. Since sure, everyone's sure. Curious. Well, you know, we put out, uh, you know, about a month ago, we put out Swords and Tequila, me and uh, Jeff Scott Gym Soto. Version. And so yeah. we tipped our hand that me yeah. and Jeff were working on a record. That record is right. essentially written and done, and, and we should have some updates on that. We worked really hard. We started on that at the end of uh, January. So we've been just crushing on that. That's so going to be really awesome. Good. Yeah, you guys, I think, are all Jeff is amazing. Amazing. Yeah, so oh, we... Yeah. we we rocked on that one, um, and uh, yeah, Megadeth um, album sixteen being worked on now. Um, it's you know we've been we've been taking our time, Dave. You know when we started it a couple years ago, you know Dave is just like, look, I want to take the time and listen, and you know we it feel I think the feeling is kind of like you know we're in, always in between a tour. Let's get another album done. We got there's a summer festivals next year. We got to always be sort of meeting deadlines, and you know this was one you know who knew uh, obviously the pandemic and um you know then dave went through his throat cancer treatments and obviously that was unexpected so you know we've had a couple years sort of knocked out from under us um with this album operating in the background we had the mega cruise of course that we did and uh um so my solo band stepped up and essentially kind of became the house band on that one you know to cover for uh dave not being able to be there and not being you know an official megadeth performance um but we we had a lot of fun i put together a big uh, jam, an all-star jam with everybody playing Kiss songs, uh, which was actually yeah. Frank Bellow's idea. I called Frank and I said, man, I'm putting together this course, Saturday man. night all-star yeah. jam. And I said, it's looking too much like a Metal Allegiance set. And I don't I don't want it to just be a bunch of heavy metal songs. I want it to be something fun. He goes, hey, you know, 
You can always do kiss songs. Everybody loves kiss songs. They go, God, you know what? That's brilliant. So it's funny between nice. Frank and, and Charlie Venante, we we would we basically put the, the set together and I kind of tasked Charlie to be my my MD, my musical director, and kind of, you know, get the thing together because I was running around as were Kiko and Dirk. We were kind of running around being the, the hosts. So who played bass? Boats. You or Frankie, or did you both play bass on? Uh, we, we all did, yeah. We, we all did. I, I played on, you know, probably about half, and Frank did a bunch, and then, uh, you know, Chuck Garrick, Bisto Blanco, they were there, so he played oh, yeah. on some stuff. Doro's band jumped in on some stuff. So And, of course, it was kind of convenient. I was able to sort of right altitudes and attitude into the, into the show, um, which was funny with that because uh, <clears throat> Todd um, from Queensryche, uh, you know, singer of Queensryche, he was our drummer. <laughs> he was our he's drummer, a great drummer. Yeah, he's a an great drummer, drummer, my God. Yeah. Amazing. He's as good a drummer as he is a singer. Yeah, he played um, drums on the last Queensryche record, I believe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yep. So we had here. him play drums for me and Frank. So yeah, that was fun. You know, so the Mega Cruise was cool. Um, but yeah, so, you know, just between, you know, that year and then of course the pandemic, you know, we, we did the, the tour with Five Bigger Death Punch, which was a big, you know, sports arena tour across Europe, um, which was really great. I mean, did you finish houses. off that tour? Was it, was it the complete we did. tour? Yep. Or? Yep. Oh, yep. No, we finished it up. We finished it up and then we came home. That was kind of like late February. We got home in time. You know, the pandemic was kind of bubbling up about a week or so behind us um right. you know it was it was weird because the smallest venue we played was about a four thousand seat uh more of a nightclub in italy in milan um because mm -hmm. it was a full-blown it was an arena tour i mean it was scaled to be kind of like a ten thousand seat sports arenas which is what we did every night except milan and then of course we get home two weeks later and you know northern italy's gets hits the got hit the worst you yeah. know with the with the pandemic mm -hmm. so we we're all like going yikes man that was that was close but uh yeah i mean we home and then, you know like i just got busy um with you know the ellison record and the no cover record and you know megadeth stuff kind of operating in the background and like i said drew and i drew editing the film drew and i finished up the uh rockstar hitman book and you know so last year was kind and of another like thing the, too What's that? Go ahead. And that other thing too. That, no, I told him about that while you were doing oh. yeah, the, the band. Yeah, yeah the record yeah. That, that we've got coming out. Uh, you yeah. missed all that, dude. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> yeah. I forgot I dropped out for a minute. Yeah. 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 By the way, Drew, there's a record coming out that you're on. <laughs> Is there? Yeah. <laughs> I'm on it. When did I do that? Yeah. yeah. That's so it's, 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 yeah. it's been a couple of years of just really, you know, creating a lot of content. And, you know, it's just, it's it's been fun, man. You know, just, you know, me just say yes to things and, Sure, why not? Let's go. You do that. seem to say yes to everything. You are the busy. I don't know how you do it, personally. I mean, you know, between you did the new No Covers record, you got the band with Drew going on now, you got your book deal, you got the record label, EMP Records, you got, of course, Megadeth. You know, and you got to yeah. give it to Dave Mustaine for allowing you to do all this. I mean, most major yeah. things like that would not give permission for a, another artist to do so many different projects because it dilutes the project. But everything you do is yeah. kind of related and i think it helps out you know the whole it is yeah yeah i mean you know and that's where you bring up a good point and, and i always bring everything back home you know to megadeth you know i i always do i don't ever sort of go out and say hey i'm gonna go be my own guy i'm, I'm very clearly uh, an anchor guy in megadeth <clears throat> you know this is my home it's good to be back home um so in our down cycles and our down months um you know, I, you know, I do these things and, and I, and I've learned over the years, like, you know, sometimes unexpected stuff happens, you know, in 02, suddenly Dave called me up and said, Hey man, I'm, I'm stepping away from Megadeth. It was like, Whoa, and the band was over. You know what I mean? And I, and it's interesting because we had our deal with Sanctuary Records right at that time. And I was actually out on the world needs a hero tour looking for areas to produce and maybe bring into an imprint, uh, that Sanctuary had, had given us that opportunity and it just it just I, I didn't happen Dave, yet at Dave that time. did have an imprint label for a minute didn't he, he well he did yeah yeah but but even back farther back with sanctuary you know which would have been 2001 2002 you know we we had uh, an opportunity with them and so that was kind of where i got started looking for groups to produce and develop do these things and um you know and then in kind of during the 2000s is when i got busy with that of course they had f5 and a few other things and sure. i was producing and working on some things and so when i came back to megadeth in 2010 um you know that it, it was great just great to be back home and obviously we had you know a great decade together but um 
you know, I've I've just learned it's you know, look, we, we're we're at a place where obviously, look, Megadeth is is the established legacy group that it is, and but you know, with uh, having these couple of years here to, um, you know, that we've had these unexpected, you know, uh, little you know down cycles um, between health stuff and the pandemic. Um, you know, this is the time to do this stuff. Once Megadeth ramps up, that's that's not the time to do it. I, I don't have the, mm -hmm. the bandwidth and the thought power to do it, you know. So um, this this is the season to do it, and I've been crying away at it. And Yeah, I should probably go on vacation here quick because then we're going to be on tour. And then, yeah, and then, then it's – about that just going, yeah, I should probably book a vacation and, like, just turn all this stuff off and go away for a while. <laughs> so maybe I'll do that. And you know, point, it's probably you know. a blessing that nothing ever happened with Sanctuary because as a record label, they did nothing. As Tank. management, of course, yeah. with, with uh, Maiden, yeah. they were huge, but they just could not. Yeah. And they had some big bands as a label. They absorbed CMC mm -hmm. and they had a lot of things, but they just yeah. could not make it. Uh, I don't know if it was because of the era, because that was you know during the changeover when the whole uh, downloading yeah. thing happened. But yeah, you know, I think you're at a, a very good place with obviously with EMP records yeah. where you're in complete control. You got Combat Records, which you revived, yeah. which is such a great, it's such an influential label, especially for thrash metal back in the 80s. People, yeah. you know, I remember yeah. when talks about, you know, the Metal Blade and, and Megaforce, and, but Combat was obviously right up there with those. Uh, right. uh, yeah. uh, Robbie, more and more active, obviously, and they're yeah. out all sorts of stuff. And, yeah. you know, your book publishing company and then your movies you're doing, man. You you are just going gung ho there, Mr. Ellison. You anything made me we, tired any, just just looking to it. <laughs> anything we missed, or, or what do we? Anything you want to throw in there, Matt? Before we, well, I just uh, I would ask Drew. He brought up you know Chuck Mosley before. I know you were working on like a documentary about Chuck. Uh, uh, that's something you still planning on putting out, or is that kind of on the on the back? back that, one's, that one's on the back burner at the moment, okay. unfortunately. It's um because actually it uh it was like. One of the last times I talked to Chuck, he uh, he wanted to do the documentary, and um, and he, I remember he called me up and he left me a voicemail, which I uh, it was how we announced the documentary and something we always used to do with each other. We used to talk to each other in the in the Bane voice, you know, the Batman villain Bane. He's like mm -hmm. Chuck Mosley. I saw Mr. <laughs> yeah, Fortune. Yeah. So that we used to just call each other, be like Mr. Mosley, <laughs> and uh, he, he left me a voicemail like Mr. Fortune, and uh, and he, he told me uh, he he wanted to do the movie and move forward with. Us. He was really excited about it, and uh, and then and then he uh, he passed, and and it's messed up because no the way he went, it feels like no, not much closure was had because it was so sudden and abrupt, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, and we you know want to do the movie to, keep, to showcase his legacy, not as a Faith No More tale, but as Chuck Mosley tale. You know, of course, Faith mm -hmm. No More is a part of it, but he had a very interesting life. I remember, um, you know, one of the first uh, days I got to know him, he, he just started spilling his guts on his life story, and he was he was like he just he he was such an emotional character and a true artist. You know, like you could tell, he just everything just came from the heart. You know, so, mm -hmm. but. Uh, but yeah, so it's just uh, got kind of been just floating around in the background for that documentary, just kind of waiting for the right time, and uh, okay. not going to force it. I mean, I, I've been talking to some of the Faith No More guys about it, and and they're, you know, they they they're into it, they're, they're into it for sure. You know, it's just kind of just mm -hmm. just waiting for out of respect for his family and all, because his family was was like, please do it. You know, that that'd be terrific. And um, but even so, it just still doesn't feel right to dive into it yet. But, uh, sure. but I, I'm sure someday soon it's gonna. It's called uh, Thanks and Sorry the Chuck Mosley mm -hmm. movie. And um, awesome. we, we, we did do one interview so far with Matt Wallace and oh, he, and he um, offered to do it right after uh, Chuck passed. And it's a very, very, very heart wrenching uh, interview. It's really, it's, and, and as you, it, it, I'm getting somber thinking about it. So it's, it's, it's probably still going to be a, a minute before I dive into that, uh, to that one. It's, cool. You know, we all miss Chuck very much. Yeah, he, he was, he was loved by, uh, by everybody for sure. Awesome. Awesome. Great. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, cool. I guess uh, I, I guess we're good. Anything yeah, else thank you, you guys. Appreciate there, it. Yeah. We're, we're good, man. We're hey, good. thank we're you good. all. Uh, DavidEllison.com. Yeah, thanks, guys. And Drew, do you have anything, uh, websites to your movie? Uh, yeah, watch the movie Sleeping Dogs Lie. And, uh, David, this movie, Bob, well, first of all, it was my fault because uh, I Bob watched, uh, her name was Krista, and he was like, right. you sick fuck. <laughs> and uh and i was like i didn't make it i was just in it 
And um, then he told me about this movie called Sleeping Dogs Lies, directed by Bobcat. Bobcat Goldwing. Oh, yeah. And um, uh, and it, I don't know if you want to tell David the plot of the movie. Well, unless you... I, I would here, but I got my, my brother's family oh, okay, gotcha. here. And that might yeah, be yeah. a little bit. Uh, no, I'll text <laughs> it to you, David. Audience. I'll say it's, yeah, it's yeah. a sick yeah. mind. Well, it's on Amazon. <laughs> I'll, I'll look it up. <laughs> You know, check, it, check it out. It kept yeah. coming on my like queue as, as something <laughs> recommended. It's like, ah, all right, I'll I, just based on the description, I ended up buying the DVD off of eBay. I found a copy, <laughs> and uh, and it was it was totally I'll go worth it tonight on Amazon or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But you yeah, turned out to that movie Father's Day with uh, uh, Robin Williams uh, yeah. and the Bobcat Goldwyn movie, which was also dark and sick, wasn't it? Twisted, yes. yeah. Uh, that guy's no, got a yeah. sicker mind than you. I think you've got some work to do. <laughs> work is in therapy. <laughs> exactly. All right, gentlemen. Well, thanks so All much. Right, guys. All right, thank thank you guys. Thank you guys so Take much. Care. Care. Right. Bye-bye. Bye. What's going on, everyone? Tanner Poppet here of Madras Poppet's Corner and Razor Radio. Just wanted to remind you guys to check out the new and improved Heavy Metal Television at heavymetaltelevision.com. That's right, heavymetaltelevision.com. Just type in that search bar, man. HeavyMetalTelevision.com. Now let's check out the episode you actually came to see.